Hello and welcome to the Locked On Lease Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show on Twitter while you're at it, at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating and a comment too. It's available on all podcasts and streaming platforms. And once we get to uh, uh, 50 reviews, I'm going to be hosting a giveaway and y'all can win some prizes. So let's get those reviews in, those rating reviews, and let's win you some prizes. All right, uh, so I hope everyone had a good weekend. And uh, I think uh, this is good. This is going to be a big week for Maple Leafs hockey because this is pretty well going to be the final tune-up week for everybody. And then, uh, and then once once next week comes, we've got our exhibition games, and then the following weekend we got real playoff hockey. So this is going to be a big week upcoming for the Maple Leafs. Uh, a lot, a lot to be done. One hundred percent. Still, these teams have they've got a ways to go. Right? I think all the teams know that they still aren't quite up to speed after being off for so long. But the Leafs, they're getting there. You know, More and more, it seems like uh, these practices are, are becoming more and more, um, much more efforts being given uh, by, by everybody. And, and it just seems like everyone's starting to really get up to speed now. Uh, so we're going to just kind of talk about what's going on in camp. Uh, so we'll do that. And then we're also... I, I got a little listicle here. It's three players that I think are currently on the hot seat. Not so much the hot seat as in their like their jobs in jeopardy, but they got everybody. They're gonna have eyes on them, right? So I got three players who I think everyone's gonna be watching pretty darn closely throughout the playoffs, and uh, so we'll go through that. And then also we got some league news to get to. I'll go over that a little bit later as well. But first, let's go ahead and let's chat about what's going on in Leafland. Um, okay, so Zach Kaiman apparently injured himself over the weekend. It's okay, he's gonna be back. But that did allow for Nick Robertson to actually climb up onto the top line and get a get a chance to to play a little bit in these scrimmage games that were that the Leafs held over the weekend and apparently looked pretty good like for everything that I read um he looked pretty darn good now as I've been saying kind of as I was talking about last week uh I, I still don't think that Robertson is is going to end up making a team um despite you know looking pretty good because there's just nowhere for him to fit, you know. Like you're not gonna take Hyman off that top line when you already know the chemistry there between him and Matthews is, is so strong. I, I doubt that you're gonna you're gonna mess with that to just to see what you have in Nick Robertson. That's that's what practice is for, and that's what they use the practice to do when Hyman went out. It's like, all right, well, let's let's give you know Robertson a shot just in case you know we can kind of give him a little taste about what what things might be like next season. But I don't want to. You know, there was a lot of people on Twitter saying like, "Oh, Robertson looking real strong in camp." Uh, I still am not going to take those headlines on Twitter as gospel, and and I'm not going to be fooled to thinking that Nick Robertson is going to end up uh, making the team out of camp. Well, he'll make the team, but making the starting lineup out of camp, I, I still do believe that there's going to have to be uh, an injury or two to get him into the lineup. So uh, I just did want to go over that really quickly because there, there was some news about it. You know, he was playing well. Uh, but again, I don't think, you know, Hyman's injury is not long-term. He's he's back. He's ready to go. So I, I don't think that Robertson's going to be replacing him just yet. Uh, so don't want to get any... get any ideas, folks. We Our top six is pretty established right now. 
I think the lineup is pretty well established right now. Um, defensively, though, we did see a little bit of a shift a little bit. We saw uh, what I talked about happening in last week's episode. I talked about how much I dislike seeing Cody Cece on the top line with Morgan Riley, and I wanted to actually see maybe Travis Dermott move up to the top line and flip him over to the right side since he does have a little bit of experience playing on the right. He did it in junior. He did a little bit as a pro uh, when he was first drafted, but hasn't quite done it recently uh but it seems like actually in today's practice he was given that opportunity that was the top line the the morgan riley with travis dermott on the right so i i want to see what that looks like because i do truthfully think that that would be the best lineup that the leaves could ice if they could go riley and dermott as the first pairing then go muzzin and hall as a second pairing and then the third pairing be maybe rasmus give rasmus sandin an opportunity on the third pair and then I'll, uh, to go along with that obviously you still got tyson berry in the mix too so i think those are the top six defensive players that this team could ice obviously you'll note that i did not have cody cc in there which i do not want him to be in the lineup because he's just a turnstile um, but for some reason it does seem like the the least just they think that Cody CC brings some sort of value to the lineup. I know he does kill penalties, um, but I just, I honestly believe that this team will be much better off with him off the ice than on the ice. Like, my eyes show it, the analytics show it. The Leafs are way, way better off with him off the ice. So, I really hope that that kind of ends up sticking and we've seen Sheldon Keefe over the last week really tinker with things and he's just trying to get a look to see what things look like so you know that we may have to watch you know CC and Riley may end up getting paired back together um, once again eventually but I I think that I like this lineup and I hope that Keefe decides to go with it and this wasn't just an experiment that this was actually something that he's thinking about going forward this is the lineup that he'll want to ice at least defensively um talk about some tinkering there's been a lot of talk over the weekend about this Matthews Marner and Tavares line that ended up getting paired together for some five on five play now we've seen this before and and, and technically they play on the power play so I mean they do have some chemistry together but it is different when you're playing five out five comparatively to being on the power play but that being said whenever those three do get kind of tossed on a line together and sometimes that would happen late in the game when they needed a goal so they would just send out you know the hero line for those old uh those old school EA NHLers uh Chell players um I think that <laughs> although it'd be awesome to watch that line play on a consistent basis. And, you know, Tyson Berry said it best. He said, that's an all-star line. Like, that is literally what you see at an all-star game. Matthews, Marner, and Tavares all in one line. That's insane. Like, that would truthfully truthfully be so hard to defend. Like, I, I don't think I could come up with another line with that much star power outside of probably the Bergeron, Pasternak, and Brad Marchand line. And even that, that's a pretty good pretty good comparison like when you when you really look at it that's really really even and that would be a good uh a, a good comparison to kind of see who would be the best team in, or the best line in the league so uh it, it, they played really really good together and they looked really really sweet but you always got to think like do you want to be that top heavy especially when you know that you're a little bit thin on the blue line do you really want to be that top heavy uh, offensively or do you kind of want to spread things out a little bit like do you trust Nylander at center or wouldn't you rather have 
Matthews and Tavares. Because if you have Matthews and Tavares on the same line, that means that you're probably going to end up shifting Nylander over to center, which he's done before. Like, we have seen him play center in the NHL. But he's much more suited as a winger, and I think you saw that this season when he exploded for 35 goals, playing with both Matthews and Tavares, really. Um, he's, had, he's had a chance to play with both, and he was pretty good, actually, with both. Fairly consistent throughout the whole season. Um, that being said, I don't think he's a guy who really drives the line, so you got to have another superstar with him. So I don't know if I consider Hyman a superstar or Mikheyev a superstar, and that effectively would kind of be your, your second line, Mikheyev along with uh, Nylander and Hyman. Maybe you could move up Kasperi Kapanen or, or Kerfoot just to try and, and get a little bit more skill on that, on that line. But regardless, uh, although it sounds good in theory to have you know that top line of Matthews, Marner, Tavares, I'd rather spread that out a little bit and I think that it just works better as a cohesive top six when you spread them out, and you still have two top-notch players on each on each line, right? Like you got Matthews with Nylander, and then you got Marner and Tavares, and they have great complementary pieces in Hyman and McCabe with them as well. So I truthfully believe that uh, although it looks good, let's keep it the way it is. It's fun that he wants to experiment, but let's hope we don't see that too too much in-game action because I truthfully believe that they'll be more successful and better off uh, with it spread out a little bit. Um, so really a couple other quick notes about uh, a couple of things that were said today within the scrums. Austin Matthews, uh, <laughs> so he scored like nearly 50 goals this season, was well on pace to break Rick Vives' record um, and, and was going to surpass 50 and surpass the Leafs' single-season all-time goals record. 100%. If the season was full, he was doing it. As long as he didn't get injured, of course. And he came out today and said, yeah, I'm hoping to shoot more. I just want to shoot more. I think uh, I've been a little timid. I, I think I just need to, sh to shoot a little bit more. And if if he thinks that he just needs to shoot more, man, how many goals is this guy looking to get? Like, you think he's upset the fact that he missed out on, on a Rocket Richard by a single goal? Like, in his mind, he's like, if I would have taken like one, two, maybe three more shots throughout the season that may have went in, I either could have tied or won the Rocket Richard. So I need to shoot a little more because I want to go out there and I want to score because I have that capabilities. I, like, I think that's honestly what went through his head. It's hilarious because he, you know, he is among the league leaders in, in you know, shots already, but also in shooting percentage. Like he's, he's got one of the best shots in the league, bar none. He's one of the best shooters that we have. Um, and he challenged Ovechkin for the scoring title this year. Right? Like, arguably the greatest goal scorer that we've seen in the sport. You know, all the analytics that say, you know, that compare eras say that Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of all time. And Matthews is one goal shy of that. So that's exciting. If he's going to be shooting more, there'll be a lot more goals on the scoreboard for the Maple Leafs. I can tell you that. And on the other note, you have Marner, who's already an offensive dynamo, who says he really is trying to play better defensively. 
Like he he knows that he is one of the most creative and fun players to watch out there on the ice. But to him, he wants to start getting more accolades defensively. You know, he wants to round out his game. And he said that today. You know, he's, he said centers are usually the ones who are said to be, you know, the best defensive players on the ice, or the, the best defensive forwards out on the ice. And he said he, he wants to try and get there. He wants to be amongst the top defensive forwards. I mean, you take a look at today. We'll, we'll talk about it pretty soon later. But earlier today, uh, they announced the Selkie winners. They're all centers. You know, Selkie for best defensive forward in the league. They're all centers. And I think Marner saw that, and he kind of gave a little bit of a middle finger to the to the league, being like, listen, there are some wingers out there who also could be considered some of the best defensive forwards in the league, and they're just not considered because they play the wing. Like Mark Stone, I think a lot of people say Mark Stone is one of the best defensive forwards out there, and he wasn't even considered. Marner wants to apparently do that himself. But it also kind of seems like he wants to start playing center a little bit. Because he did mention something about how he's been working on taking face-off draws. And if you recall when he was drafted, he was technically drafted. I don't remember if he was drafted as a center or, or a winger. But, you know, it was kind of like, oh, he can play center if he fills out, I guess. But he's probably a guy who you're going to move to the wing. So, it seems like he actually would like to maybe be a guy who could be trusted playing in the middle. Or at the very least, be trusted playing defensively. And you look at the strides that he's taken as a penalty killer. I'll be first to admit, I was not Team Marner when I found out that Babcock wanted to use him on the penalty kill. Because in my mind, I'm so old school where I'm like, okay, you got your offensive players, they can play your, your, your power play. And you got your bottom six guys who can kill your penalties, as well as a guy like Zach Hyman. But Marner was not a player who I expected to be a penalty killing mastermind. And this guy's actually great. Like, he gets his stick in lanes. He's got unreal speed. Him and Hyman, it seems like, have a two-on-one shorthanded at least twice a game. Like, at least. They never bury, unfortunately. But they have so many chances. And they're actually, you know, they do a really good job. And Marner, you saw in the playoffs against Boston a couple years ago, he's not even afraid to get in front of pucks. So I, I, I think that this is scary. If a guy like Marner says that what he wants credit for going forward, and, and and he's basically putting you on notice, putting us on notice, hey, take a look at what I'm doing defensively. It's like, I know that I'm a premier player offensively, and I can do some things with the puck that not many people can do in this league, but also take note of what I'm doing defensively, because he feels that he is one of the better defensive wingers in the league, and he wants to be recognized for it. So I am going to do that. I'm going to actually... Next time, you know, once the season gets going against Columbus and then this game, uh, uh, exhibition game against Montreal, I'm going to make sure that I actually take a minute to see what Marner's doing in the defensive end. I want to make sure that I give him the credit if credit is due. Definitely want to do that. I think you should all do that because he wants it. And if he can become a premier two-way winger, guys... We got something here. We got something cooking in Toronto. Because you got Matthews who took a big leap this year. If Marner can take a similar leap defensively, this is an unstoppable force going forward. I'm telling you.
And they, these, they got these guys locked up long-term. This is a good, good thing for the Maple Leafs. All right. Uh, let me tell you guys about Rock Auto. It is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, more oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same as the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write locked on for their how'd you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, Mike DiStefano, still with you here from Locked on Leafs at Mickey Canuck on Twitter. Um, so let's talk about three players who I think have a little bit of pressure building up heading into the playoffs. You know, th- these three players, I don't want to say they're on the hot seat because usually when we think about that, it's okay, they're on the hot seat because they're about to be fired or exposed or something. But three guys who have a lot of pressure on them going into the playoffs. So the first player that I think has a lot of pressure on them. That's kind of on the hot seat, as I do the air quotes, uh, Freddie Anderson. So this is a player who starts off the season slow every single year. Go take a look at his statistics. Every single year, the month of October is his worst month. Every single season. And then he gets progressively better and better throughout the middle portion of the year. And then he kind of tails off again in the playoffs because he gets fatigued. That seems to be routine for Freddie over the last four or five years in Toronto. Now, this season is a little different because a he, there was an injury about midway through, about a month before um, COVID stopped everything, where he did get a, a week, a week and a half off which kind of gave him some time to refresh, recharge a little bit to go along with the all-star break that was already in January. Um, and then also just the fact that he's had four months off now, right? Now you can look at that as in two ways. First way, all right, he should be refreshed and recharged. You know, there's no uh, uh, postseason fatigue like we've seen in the past. For Freddie, he should be good. Or you could look at it this way. Well, whenever Freddie has a couple of months off, it takes him about a month to get back to form. Right? So if that's the case, I'm 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 a little worried. And you know, all eyes have already been on him in practice. And he's been criticized a little bit for his poor play. You know, the couple of scrimmages, the two scrimmage games that they've had so far, Team Matthews versus Team Anderson, he's allowed 12 goals in those two games. That's not a winning product. Now, he's going up against Matthews, which, you know, we already know what a line of Matthews, Tavares, and uh, <laughs> and Marner were on one line, so they would have been on that team. So, you know, he's going up against one of the better, the better offensive team, but still... That's that's not what you want to see when you already are a little bit worried in the back of your mind that Anderson starts slow. Because he's starting slow 
in practice. And let's say you, know, you, you practice how you play, or you play how you practice, whatever the saying is. And the thing for Freddie is he needs to have a good start, and he needs to backbone this team, or they're not going anywhere. He's got to. The one thing that he has going for him is the fact that they're going up against Columbus, who don't really have any stud offensive playmakers on their team anymore. You know, Panera moved on. Duchesne moved on. Um, you know, Cam Atkinson had a bit of a slow year this season. Josh Anderson hasn't really done anything. He's got, what, one goal this season. He's been injured, too. So, I just, I don't know. Felino's not what he used to be. I think Felino also wasn't wasn't playing. I don't know if he's going to be back, but I, th- I, heard, I read over... Uh, I read that he was he missed some practice this weekend, so whatever that means, unfit to play. For for those who uh, who aren't aware of what any of these unfit to play designations are, we don't know yet. <laughs> it basically just means he can't play day to day. We to, we don't know. Is it a concussion? Is it an injury? Is it an illness? A sick? We don't know. That's just the designation for everything right now is unfit to play. Um, and I believe Felino was actually unfit to play over the weekend. So the good thing is, is that, you know, the, there's not a lot of offensive firepower that I'd be worried about with Columbus. But it's after that. And hopefully the Leafs can kind of outpace Columbus which I think next week, actually, we're going to have uh, uh, Sarah Avampato from Locked On Blue Jackets on, and we're going we're gonna to go through a three-parter throughout the week where we're going to talk about that series. Um, and, and the thing that i got to ask her, because in my opinion, you know, they're going to want to keep it a, a tight, tight, low-scoring game. You know, they're still not sure who they're going to have in net, whether it's Merzlikens or Corpusalo, but they're going to want to finish games 2-1, 3-2, you know, like super low-scoring games. But the Leafs, they're going to want the opposite. They're going to want to put up five, six goals a game. And they have the offense to do it. And if that's the case, and Freddie can be saved if he's allowing a couple of weak goals per game. Problem is, Columbus has some really good goaltending, so it's going to be tough. Uh, is his job in jeopardy? Because I, I heard them talking on the radio today about whether or not, if he loses the first couple of games, would they go to Jack Campbell? No. No, they're not. That's that's silly. Honestly, I think they're committed to Freddie, at least for this season. Um, are they committed to him long-term? I don't know, to be quite honest with you. I don't know. They, it's it's really going it, to... The flat cap put things into a bit of a tizzy with, with Anderson. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they go after this year if they decide to move on from him and go to a cheaper option net because he's probably going to be rather expensive to re-sign. And with the cap not going up, someone's going to have to go because you also got to get Hyman re-signed as well and try and fit in some other pieces. So I don't think that his job is going to be in jeopardy. But, uh, yeah, I just don't think that can't that, that, that they believe that Campbell is the goalie of the future. And it's not worth ruffling feathers with Anderson just to take him out of the, the starting position. And what happens if, if Campbell goes in and lose that game 
and now the Leafs are eliminated, and Freddie was stripped of the starting job. That's probably not going to go very well when they head into the summer, and they're looking to do some contract negotiations to try and extend him. So I don't see that happening. All right, uh, really quickly, I didn't expect to go this long on on Freddie, but I uh, just think some some things popped into my head. Um, the other two players that I think uh, are, are on the hot seat a little bit, surprisingly, William Nylander. And, and the reason why I think that he's on the hot seat, not so much hot seat, but I think why you know he's going to be under the magnifying glass is just because he did have such an awful 2018-19 season after signing that contract and, and kind of getting off to a slow start and, and really never never uh, finishing or, or never really got going at all, to be quite honest with you. And then this year was having a career year before having it shortened by the COVID stoppage. The question that I'm going to have is, can he pick it up? Can he pick up where he left off and prove that he can be a consistent player? And that he just wasn't on a roll that just lasted, you know, four or five months. Can he pick it up and do it from the get-go? That's what Nylander is going to have to prove. And that's where one of the things that I'm going to be curious about. Okay. Uh, the last player who I think is going to have the magnifying glass on him, and this should come as no surprise to anybody, Tyson Berry. Look, he's got a, a contract year, and he did not play well at all with Toronto this season. You look at the stats and be like, oh, yeah, he got like oh, what, almost 40 points. Uh, yeah, he did pretty well. You know, that's, that's not bad. 40 points, 60 games for a defenseman, pretty good. Yeah, except if you actually watch him, he didn't really play that well. And I think a lot of his points were kind of secondary um, just because he plays for the highest scoring team in the league. And he plays on the number one power play unit. But Tyson Berry has not looked like a top tier first line defense, like top pairing defenseman that we originally thought we were bringing in. Considering what he did in, in, in Colorado for years prior. So I think that this is going to be a big playoffs for him. And to be quite honest with you, all could be forgotten. All can be forgotten if he has a stellar playoffs. So I think he's lost himself some money over this year. Like if he would have signed last season, I think he would have made a lot more money than what he's going to get this year, especially if he continues that poor play into the playoffs. But if he can come out and if he can just figure out a way to be a contributing top-pairing defenseman and not be a liability, then I think Tyson Berry can actually help himself come this summer. Well, not the summer anymore. It'll be the fall. <laughs> you know, he needs to show up. And if he does, he'll get paid. At the end of the day, if he shows up, he'll get paid. And the Leafs need him. They need him. Because they are weak on the right side. Look, I was talking earlier about flipping over Travis Dermott. So they need Tyson Berry to play extremely well. And that'll go a long way. A long way in the least playoff chances. All right. Um, let's move on here quickly. We've got some news to discuss. Uh, so... Patrice Bergeron, Ryan O'Reilly, and Sean Couturier all announced as the Selkie finalists for 2019-2020 uh, season. And I discussed it earlier, Mark Stone is being considered a snub for this because he's one of the best defensive forwards in the game. 
And it just begs the question is, do you have to play center in order to, to win this award? Like, do you have to? Is that one of the requirements at this point to win the award? Um, I'm not saying that no, none, neither Bergeron, O'Reilly, or Couturier don't deserve it. Like, I don't know who I would take off my ballot, to be honest with you, to put Mark Stone on. But you just look at how great of a player he is and what he's known for around the league, and it's just tough to, to not have him there. You know, so that's... that's comment on, on Twitter if you believe that he should have been on here, if he was a, a snub, and who would you take off? Do that at Lockdown Leafs, because I'm curious. Uh, also, the Norris candidates came out as well. Uh, Roman Yossi, John Carlson, and Victor Hedman, all nominated for the Norris Trophy for Best Defenseman of, uh, of the Season. I'll be honest with you, early in the year, this was a runaway for Carlson. Remember at one point he was... I think it was like, what, 30 games in or something like that, 20 games in, and he was on pace for like 100 points. He was going to break some records, this guy. And, you know, he never fell off, but he just didn't keep up that much of a pace. He was certainly going to be at a point-per-game pace average. But then Roman Yossi quietly, very quietly, really started to pick up his play and really started to shorten that gap. And now there's a conversation to be had. I truthfully, truthfully believe that. You know, Yossi, I think because he plays in Nashville, uh, he doesn't get, you know, the type of notoriety because, you know, it's not a, a huge, huge hockey haven. But, like, 65 points in 69 games, and this is a player who's gone out and scored... 49 or plus in his last, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, six straight seasons. The fact that he hasn't won one yet is crazy. Because Yossi's a stud. Extremely underrated to me. Um, and he might put himself in the conversation this year. Maybe not just because, I, I you know, Carlson also did have himself an unreal season as well. 75 points in 69 games. This guy was gonna, he could have broke 90. Could have broke 90, which would have been insane. So it's probably gonna end up going to Carlson, but it is gonna, it's gonna be a conversation, I think. Uh, all right, last little bit of news, and it's some positive ish news. Uh, just two positive tests today out of over 2,000 tests taken this week on 800 different players. That's a good sign. Just two tests. And they're not in the bubble yet, so they still have a chance to find out who those two people are, hold them out, and make sure that those guys don't get the rest of the team infected with the virus, and they can just get those guys healthy, get them quarantined, and then they can join their teams later on. Because once we get to the bubble, I think we're good. Because if you look at what happened in the NBA today, actually, they announced all week, zero positive tests throughout the week in the bubble. It might work, guys. This might actually work. There was a lot of people saying, I don't know, it's going to start, but will it finish? It's kind of getting crazy out there in the States. And keep in mind, the bubble for the for the NBA, they're in Florida. An epicenter right now for, for the coronavirus. 
at least we're up here in Canada and Toronto and Edmonton where our numbers are far, far, far lower. This could work. This might actually work. We might actually get to, uh, to crown an NHL champion this year. Looking forward to it. And let's hope it's the Maple Leafs. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. If you want to hear some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast where myself and four other Lockdown hosts discuss the latest news around the league. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.